Let's take our Bibles and open to the book of Psalms, Psalm 127. We will read Psalms 127 and 128. Psalm 127, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. In Psalm 128, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. We read this far in the holy and inspired word of God. The text for the sermon this, this morning is Psalm 127, the last three verses, verses 3 through five, lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate." In the gospel account of the childhood of Jesus, Luke chapter 2, we have the story of Jesus at 12 years old going up to Jerusalem with his parents and extended relatives. You have a similar story in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1 where Elkanah and his wives Hannah and Peninnah and their children would go up to the tabernacle in order to worship. The Psalms of Ascent, what are called in the heading in the King James, the Songs of Degrees, the Psalms of Ascent were written for exactly those occasions when families would go together up to Jerusalem to worship. You see that in the contents of, the, of these Psalms from Psalm 120 to 134. 122, you're familiar with these words, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And then verse 4, whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. And these Psalms were all written for those occasions. And you, and you get, as you read through these Psalms, the, the picture of a pilgrim making his way to Jerusalem. Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. Or 125, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from this time forth and forevermore. And 
The psalmist sings in these psalms as well of the, of the beauty of the church and the beauty of unity in the church. Think of 133, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So these psalms, 120 to 134, are all written as songs for those who go up to worship. And the two that we read this morning had to do with the family. And the family, especially going up to worship. The psalmist, as he travels, like Jesus did with his family, or Elkanah did with his family, the psalmist, as he travels to Jerusalem with his family around him, writes these reflective psalms on the blessing of families going together to worship in Jerusalem. He rejoices really here in God's covenant promises and blessings to believers and their children, but he does that in a a very spiritual manner. He's not just speaking here of the beauty of family occasions like uh, Thanksgiving dinner or something like that, but he's speaking here of the spiritual prophet and blessing of parents and children together together worshiping the Lord. And this morning in the verses that we look at, at the end of Psalm 127, the psalmist is reflecting on what children are, what covenant children are. He speaks here of the covenant, definitely. He speaks of generations. He speaks of building in generations. He says, He speaks here in the covenant name of God, except Jehovah, build the house, and children are a heritage of Jehovah, the covenant name of God. So he has the covenant in view as he looks at the children whom God has given and describes them. And these words, inspired by the Holy Spirit, should be for us as church and for us as parents, encouraging words. We need such encouragement. We need that in part because of the pressures of family life, the attacks that come on family, the biblical view of family and family life, the attacks that come from our culture directly against our children and against even things like marriage and human sexuality. We need this encouragement also because we bring into the picture, we bring into our homes our own sin, and we see the effects of that sometimes in our homes. So we need this encouragement. But we also need this encouragement because of the simple fact that building a Christian home, as that's described here in Psalm 127, verse 1, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Building a Christian home is hard work. And that's what's described in verses 1 and 2 when it speaks of a watchman and it speaks of rising early, sitting up late, eating bread of sorrow and losing sleep. This is the labor and the toil that goes into building a Christian home. And these words in which... Covenant children are described are intended to encourage us in this task. What is the task? Who are these children? What value is there in this? What blessing long-term does God promise? And we should be encouraged and motivated this morning by these words. So let's consider 
These last three verses of 127 under the theme, an encouraging description of covenant children. Notice with me first that they are described in verse 3 as a heritage, in verse 4 as arrows, and then in verse 5 as a blessing. So the question this morning, this morning, Eric and Krista, as you bring your baby for baptism, and all of us, is this, how shall we think of our children? How shall we think of our children? And certainly in connection with baptism, we think of them as covenant children. God's promises come to believers and their children, and that's the perspective of the psalm here as well. But this morning, as we ask this question, how shall we think of our children? We're presented in this psalm three beautiful illustrations of our children. In fact, more than three, as many as six, really, we're going to look at three main ones in each of these verses. But in this psalm, the psalmist, we could say, waxes poetic. And that's what this is. The psalms are poetry, and poetry uses beautiful imagery to describe something that's ordinary or normal in our life. And, and we need this kind of description of our children. And this is what the Word of God here does this morning, and the Spirit and the poetry. It lifts us, as it were, from the ordinary, from the humdrum of daily life to give us a broader outside perspective on what's going on in the home and who these children are. And you see the beautiful imagery in in verse 3. Children are described as a heritage, as the fruit of the womb, and as a reward. And then in in verse 4, you have the imagery of a mighty man that is a soldier with arrows in his hand going out to warfare. And then in uh, verse 5, that same mighty man has a quiver full of those arrows, and then That man in his old age speaks with the enemies in the gate, and there his children are. Lo, children are a great reward, a gift from God in very truth. So this morning, the Holy Spirit gives us these encouraging, poetic descriptions of our children to let us stand back from what we're doing for a while and and see the beautiful picture of what our children are. The first description here in verse 3 is this, children are an heritage of the Lord. That word low with which verse 3 begins is important. It tells us really to stop, behold, consider. Children are a heritage of of the Lord. A heritage is an inheritance. It's something that's valuable to one, and so he passes it into the care of another, an inheritance. You can think, for example, of the parables that Jesus told of a man going into a far country and leaving 
his land and his vineyard in the care of others. Or you can think of the parable that Jesus tells of the talents, and one receives five and another two and another one, but the, these talents are important to the master, and so he entrusts them to the stewardship of his servants. And that's the idea here of a heritage. Children are precious to God, valuable, worth passing on. God says, these are mine, my precious jewels, the Bible says elsewhere. Jesus takes them up in his arms. Isaiah 40 calls them lambs. And now God says, these are mine, and I entrust them to you. Before our children are even in our arms, they are in God's arms. And isn't that a beautiful thought when God takes a little one in the womb? Underneath are the everlasting arms. So this image of a heritage teaches us that our children are a gift directly from God. That's even true in the natural sense. God creates the life of a child in the womb. When Adam and Eve bear children, that's the way they see it. When the first son is born and Eve says, I've gotten a man from the Lord. When Seth is born in the place of Abel, then she says, God has appointed me a seed. In Genesis chapter 33, verse 5, when Esau meets Jacob after 20 years, he asks, who are these with thee? And Jacob replies, the children which God hath graciously given. How important it is for us to remember that. Children are a gift directly from the Lord. Certainly that's important with regard to the great evil of abortion. God creates the life in the womb. And he's the one who says this life has sanctity. And it must be respected. And so we have a responsibility, don't we? Even for those helpless souls in, in the womb, we have prayed and we keep praying and God has answered those prayers and we have a responsibility and we pray for those who have not only committed but endorsed this evil. It's important that we remember this with regard to our children. Our children are a gift directly from the Lord, every one of them. With God, there are no accidents. With God, there is no imperfection in what he does. And so every child that we receive, perhaps we even receive from the Lord a difficult or a special needs child, every child we receive is a gift from God. The children that sit with you in worship this morning, that you hold in your arms, that you'll eat with, these are God's gift. God's gift. Specifically assigned to you and to your home. And you then are their stewards. Many years ago as a young parent, this is something that struck me and I've tried to keep before my mind as a parent and remind God's people of in my preaching this important thought, that the sole possession, the only possession that we have in this life that has eternal value are our children. Everything else, moth and rust corrupts, 
will melt with a fervent heat. But we can take our children with us to glory. Doesn't that bring home the importance of this task? And this is why married believers should desire to have children. In, in verse 5, happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. We acknowledge and realize that God doesn't give large families to everyone, and God doesn't, in some cases, give any children to believing married couples. And that's a great burden and a, and a grief, because quite naturally, as God's people who love the church and her future, we want children. And it's important for us not to let our selfish desires be an obstacle to bringing forth children. God's given us the calling to be fruitful and to multiply. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. And so we have this privilege. Children are a heritage. There's something that's important and precious to God and he entrusts them to us. What a privilege. But with that privilege is also a great responsibility and calling for, for us as parents. This is something like a family heirloom uh, being given, entrusted to your care. You may have something like that in your house from your grandmother or your great-grandmother. And even though it, it might not have much importance to you as, as a piece of decorational furniture, its importance and its value is in this that it's been in your family and, and now children are something like that. And there's a great responsibility then to, to care for them. They're on loan from the Lord. We don't have children for our own pleasure. They're not an extension of ourselves. They're not for our self-gratification or so that we can live vicariously through them and, and get them to do all the things that we wish we had in our childhood. But we're stewards of the children whom God has given to us. And we have to return them to the Lord and give an accounting of them someday. You, you remember Samuel. Hannah prayed fervently for Samuel, and then when he was born, she named him Samuel. God has heard. God heard her request, and then when he was weaned, she brought him back to the tabernacle, and she said, he's on loan to the Lord. I've returned him to the Lord. This is for us to remember in our day-to-day -day life with our children, returning them to the Lord. Manoah, when God gave him the the son Samson prayed in Judges 13, verse 8, What shall we do with this child? And we feel that weight when first God puts a child in our arms, but we have to remember that. Children are a heritage of the Lord. There's another word in verse 3 that's important, and that's the word reward. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Fruit of the womb referred to children. They're the fruit that comes forth from the womb. And they are his reward. Now, ordinarily when we think of a reward, we think of something that's received in recognition of an achievement or something that we've done. But here, and this is more broadly true of the word reward in Scripture, the emphasis is not on that it's received for an achievement, but 
that it's something in which you delight. Children are a reward in that way. And so you may receive a trophy, but that trophy becomes a centerpiece. It becomes something that you talk about. You delight in it. And that's the idea here of children as a reward. They're not to be viewed as a burden, but a blessing that brings great joy into our lives. And as parents, you know some of the joys of having children. Delightful moments and memories, and as they grow, their cuteness and their play and their talk. And for believing parents, that's especially to watch them grow up in the nurture of the Lord, to grow up into Jesus Christ. They grow into, as they become conscious, a sense of God. They begin to pray. Their conscience becomes clear, and they recognize sin in their life, and we praise the Lord as we experience these joys in their growing. They become older and more mature, and they make decisions that are in line with the Word of God, and their desire is to serve the Lord, and they make confession of faith, and There's no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Children are a great reward. And so they should take priority in our lives and should always be a cause of thanksgiving and prayer in our lives. Are they expensive? Do they place a lot of demands on our life? Do they take up decades of our lives? Yes, they do, but God's Word says they are a heritage and a gift and a reward. The second illustration is here in verse 4. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Eric and Krista, you're holding an arrow. You're sitting with arrows. In church, the, the picture here, of course, changes to that of a soldier. That's the mighty man here, and it's, a, it's telling us that we're at war, and our children with us are involved in this war. That, of course, is there already in the first verse of the, of the chapter. We're not just building a house, but we're keeping the city because the city, being the church, the city is under attack. There are enemies that come against the church and the people of God. And this warfare is ongoing. It's generational. It's history long. The seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent at war with each other. And the same enemies that we face are the enemies that our children will face. And our children are the arrows, the ammunition that God gives to us in this warfare. As we think about children as arrows, there's two main thoughts here for us to remember about arrows. The first is this, that arrows are precision weapons. Arrows are precision weapons. They need to be straight. They need to be balanced, front to back, left to right. And our children are arrows that we are preparing as precision weapons for warfare. That's the picture here. When our children come into our arms, they're conceived and born in sin, aren't they? They're, we might say, a crooked stick that needs to be whittled and balanced. And this is what we're involved in as parents, to shape and form our children by the Word of God. And sometimes you'll hear 
something like this. We don't want to get in the way of our children. We want to let them make their own decisions. We don't want to force our faith on them. The devil and the world haven't bought into that. There's a conspiracy from hell to make our children God-hating homosexuals. And it's our duty as parents to whittle, to shape, to balance these arrows, these children, to prepare them for warfare. Satan has his devices. The world has its methods. Just think of not just technology, but the things that technology promotes, the evil of society that comes through entertainment and internet and TV and so on. And our children have to be shaped by us. They're conceived and they're born in sin. And this is, this is the main task of us as stewards of these children, to, to direct them in the ways of the Lord, aggressively, deliberately, intentionally shaping them with discipline and instruction and example. Last week, it was Ephesians 6, verse 4, Fathers, ye fathers, this is your task with your children, to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And we saw three main ideas there, to treat them with love and tenderness, to correct their wrongs, and to instruct them from the Word of God. Those three have to go together. And we do this because as the Word of God says, Proverbs 22, foolishness is bound in the heart of the child. Foolishness is a denial that there's a God. I don't want to live as though there's a God. This is what's bound in the heart of a child. This is what it means that our children are conceived and born in sin. And what do they need? They need the rod of correction to drive this foolishness from their hearts. So again, Proverbs 29, verse 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom. And that in contrast to a child left to himself. A child left to himself. That is, one who gets his own way brings his mother to shame. And so Proverbs 22, verse 6 states it very positively. Chain up a child in the way he should go. There's a way that a child should go. And just as we have to, as it were, whittle and straighten that crooked stick so that it's balanced and precise, so our children have to be trained in the way that they should go. So that's one thing about arrows. They are precision weapons that, that need to be prepared for Warfare. And then the other thing about arrows is that they need to be correctly aimed. Correctly aimed. Our children have to know the enemy. We can raise very straight children who are quite misdirected. They have to know the enemy. Who's the enemy? The threefold enemy, Satan, the world, and themselves. Themselves. Our children have to know 
that they're sinners. And that's the very first thing that baptism teaches, isn't it? That we and our children are conceived and born in sin. And the problem of sin is not external. The problem of sin is not just something out there in the world. The problem of sin is not just something cultural. The wicked are not just those out there that we want to avoid. But this wickedness is in our own hearts. And for the weapon to be correctly aimed, it must aim at sin in the heart. Otherwise, we simply breed these straight arrows that are pointed everywhere else. We breed hypocrisy. And so the children must know the enemy. They must recognize the devices of Satan in the world but they must recognize their own sinful desires. And it's important that we remember this as we raise our children because as arrows that we aim, we must at some point let them go, release the arrow. And we certainly understand that in the raising of our children. We want them to mature to a point where they can be, as it were, self-sufficient, living on their own, making their own decisions, being wise in, in life. That's true even with regard to material things. But now, especially with regard to spiritual things, we want to have them straight arrows directed at the right enemy. So that, upon release... They join us in the warfare. One commentator put it this way, Children well-bred will shoot at parents' enemies, whereas children ill-bred will shoot at their parents. They'll fire on you. They have to know the enemy in themselves. So again, we have here an encouraging imagery or picture in the psalm, and, and we often lose sight of what our goal is with our children, of what we're involved in, in the Christian home. We can get caught up in so many other things, preparing them for life, for career, in education, in hobbies, in sports, in music, and are we shaping them spiritually for warfare against the enemy, the world, Satan, and their own flesh. Then there's one more image, and that's in verse 5, especially the second part of verse 5. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. I like the way that this is paraphrased in the Psalter number. And bless the man whose age is cheered by stalwart sons and daughters fair. No enemies by him are feared, no lack of love, no want of care. What's it describing? It's describing a man who's grown old. He's in the gate here, it says, and, and this is the seat of the elders in the city. There's an enemy 
This is not an enemy from without, but it's an enemy from within the city. They're sitting before the judges of the city. This old man is being accused falsely by someone. He's being, we could say, persecuted. And there his children are with him. We could say his boys are there to back him up. And the psalm is talking about grown children and the blessing and the help that they are. No enemies by him are feared. No lack of love. No want of care. And that's held before us in the psalm here as a promise and an encouragement. So often when we're involved, we might say, in the trenches with our children, we lose sight of the long term and the spiritual value of raising our children in the fear of the Lord. Is it really a privilege? So demanding? And here's the encouragement. God will return a blessing in your life later. That's what this is saying. Now remember that verse 5 has especially in view not just a a family blessing, but a church blessing. The, The house and the city are what is spoken of here in enemies in the gate of the city. And it's talking about the church and the blessing that children in generations will be in the church. Here's an elderly man surrounded by children who are strong in the Lord with him and are a blessing then to him. This is the key, isn't it, to the future of the church? Knowing who our children are, Laboring with them as arrows, prepared against the enemy, with this promise that they will stand with us then in our generations. The future of the church is in the children of the church. We know, and we certainly witness aging and then dying churches that close their doors. And so this morning, as we think about that, think about this psalm, think about it in its context of families going up to worship, let's not just be sentimental in the blessings that we rejoice in and the celebration of family blessings. This is not just, oh, all my children are here with me, and you can see them. No, it's a spiritual blessing that God promises in generation. And so let's not deprive ourselves of this promised future joy, but be diligent in the responsibility that we have to have children and to instruct our children. And to do that in the hope and the promise of the Word of God. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. May God grant that in our church and our families. Amen. Father, we're thankful for the beautiful description here of covenant children and the encouraging 
word here to believing parents. Help us, Lord, to be diligent in this important task in our families and homes and as a church that's concerned about our future as the body of Christ. Forgive, Lord, our sins. We bring many sins and weaknesses into this task. Help us to be humble in acknowledgement of this so that as we war against the enemy, we war against our own besetting sins and live in a repentance and humility before our children that they also learn not the ways of hypocrisy, but the ways of those who humbly walk before thee. Hear us, we pray, and we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.